Hello and welcome back to the View Church Podcast. My name is Jake Brown, the host of this podcast, and we are finishing up our episodes on the Beatitudes, and Jeff is going to uh, walk us through this last one. So Jeff, why don't you read this last one to us? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's great. So Jeff, um, I know that you said that you had some context and some of your own theological background um, to add to this specific Beatitude. So do you want to kind of walk us through a little bit about uh, what this Beatitude is is telling us? Well, the first thing is that word righteousness. Mm. It's actually better translated justice. And there's a lot of discussion in in the uh, world of translation and, and uh, uh, biblical scholarship as to when exactly the word got changed over from justice to righteousness and why and and all of that. But uh, but the point is, when we read, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, um, for they shall be filled, it takes on a little bit of a different tone, especially in light of the historical situation uh, when Jesus is, is teaching these Beatitudes. So, um, and, and justice in Scripture is, uh, is, is a concept that is similar to us, but it also has some important differences. Um, the idea of justice in Scripture, much like our culture, is uh, this this uh, idea of retributive justice, mm-hmm. or or this is the sorry retributive justice would be the type of justice uh, that the people in Jesus' world would have been most familiar with. Mm-hmm. So re- retribu- retributive justice is an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do something to me, I'm going to do something back to you, and then we'll then we'll call it even. And even in our justice system, we think about criminal justice. Uh, you know, you commit a crime, you, you have a trial, right. you're found guilty, and then there's there's uh, a sentence and, and there's a punishment. And we call that justice. That is a retributive justice. Um, the kind of justice that Jesus is advocating here is, is a little bit different. Um, it's, it's both restorative justice and it's distributive justice. Mm. And so uh, many places in uh, the Old Testament... Uh, we see concern for uh, the alien who is traveling through uh, the land to make sure that person is taken care of, to make sure that if they visit your home that you make sure that they have food and that they have what they need, they have shelter and, and those kinds of things. And that uh, the, the scripture is, is very concerned with, with the poor and, and poverty and making sure that they too are taken care of and mm-hmm. they too have food and they too have uh, clothing. In fact, I think of Matthew 25, there's a, uh, where, where Jesus is describing the last judgment. And he said there's going to be sheep on one side and goats on the other side. And, and they're going to say, uh, Jesus said, and, and you're going to ask me, I, I'm going to say, you know, welcome uh, home, my good and faithful servant. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was sick and you uh, visited me. I was or in prison and you visited me anyway. And, and they say, well, Jesus, when did we, we don't remember seeing you hungry and thirsty and all those things. And he said, if you do unto the, le- uh, the least of these, you're doing it to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's Jesus's model of justice. It's this idea that um, God's creation properly distributes all of its resources um, so that everyone, every animal, every bird, every flower has what it needs mm-hmm. uh, to survive. Now, obviously, obviously, you can say, well, there's some dry places on the earth where things don't grow. Yeah, but there's other stuff that live there, too. The point is 
that there is a balance it, that, that was built into creation mm. that would allow all of us to uh, participate in the bounty of creation. Mm. And that's uh, distributive justice. And, uh, and we live in a world where uh, the inequality is a huge touch point right now. Mm. And, and so I think there is uh, uh, something to be said about inequality, both economic inequality, racial inequality, and this beatitude that, that Jesus in Jesus's world, there's going to be uh, distributive justice. There's also going to be justice that restores. Mm. So if I do commit a crime or if I, if I am guilty of something, restoration can still happen mm. and so that's this uh th- this this beatitude has uh special for me application right now with what's going on in our world yeah and it reminds me as you're saying it reminds me of uh dr king a, a lot the, the way that um the way that he continued to call for that right and it wasn't a call for um it was nonviolent, and he just had this he had this um reckoning of truth. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. Um, it wasn't a role reversal. It was like, we're trying to bring equality and we're trying to bring the kingdom here. And I I think that one of the things that continue to inspire me about, and I want to get your thoughts on this, George, one of the things that continue to inspire me about him was he had a dream. He didn't have a plan, didn't have a five-step process. It was a dream that captivated and spoke to us. And I think that's what Jesus and these Beatitudes continuing to remind us is that we're talking about this, these concepts that can be lived out, but it, when you start to try to understand and start to map out all these steps, you almost lose the personal nature of of how to live it and just be within w- within the truth of it, and even a little bit of mystery, right? That's kind of what's beautiful about it is you don't totally grasp it, yet at the same time you're you're brought to the truth of what it would mean for you. So how about you, George? What's been your experience? Uh Initially, it's how the church taught righteousness, that it, it was a personal making right with you and God, mm. which is an important part of our faith um, and, and a way of understanding it. But to Jeff's point in, in the context of what justice means uh, here, it, it, it's quite possible that Jesus is going, it's, it's identifying and having solidarity mm. with some of the previous uh, Beatitudes, the right. poor. You know, the meek, um, those who mourn. Mm. And so uh, righteousness, yeah, it's this awareness that I'm loved by God. Yeah, Mm. things are things are right. But um, it seems to be very important to God that righteousness goes beyond that, that righteousness becomes this thing and how we care for, you know, and find solidarity Mm. with these, the weak, the meek, the poor. Um, those that, uh, you know, don't have a voice, mm. um, those that somehow have the boot of the empire, mm. you know, on their neck um, or the system on, on their neck. So, uh, yeah, righteousness is, again, this m- both personal and and corporate thing. And uh, it's much bigger than just, oh, me and God are good. Yeah. Um, me and God are good. And now me and God are partnering together mm. to help make the world better for others too. Mm. I want to, I want to ask you guys what you think hunger and thirst are, are those are two words of desire. So what, what are those words you think arise from in this? That's a, and a, a, they'll be filled, right? It's not saying, you know, if you just, uh, blessed are the people who seek righteousness. Great. It's like it, hunger and thirst. Those are very strong words to use. Uh, wh- why do you think those words are in there? And, and there's, they're so entrenched in desire. I think you said it, it there, there are two, to fundamental human needs and needs that people in Jesus day would 
have more readily identified with than than we do. Um, one of the things that happens when when Rome marches into town is that if you're a farmer, if you own land and you're a farmer and you make your living uh, farming, uh, the, one of the first thing Rome does is they force you to give most of your crop back to Rome. Rome's a huge city at this time, and it required incredible amounts of food to feed those people. And so you would be forced to export most of your crop to Rome. Well, a lot of these folks are subsistence farmers, meaning they, they grow enough crops to feed themselves and their families, and then with what's left over, they're able to make a living. And so if you're a subsistence farmer and Rome comes in and takes most of your food, well, then they're not only taking from your, your profit margin, they're taking from your family. So now you can't feed your family, and you are experiencing great hunger in that. So... Uh, hunger and thirst for them was a matter of survival. It wasn't a matter of inconvenience. Like, yeah, my stomach's growling. I'd like to, I'm going to go down to the store and grab a, you know, banana or something. The, f- hunger for them was life and death, and starvation was not uncommon. And so, th- th- that kind of desire is visceral whenever you're experiencing true starvation. Hungering and thirsting is not like my stomach's growling. Hungering and thirsting is like if I don't find something to eat or something to drink, I think I'm going to die. I think my, if I don't find food for my child, my child's going to die. And so that was um, a, an incredibly powerful way for Jesus to, to drive home that point about how serious we need to be about justice. It's so serious that we need to desire justice as much as we desire living. Mm. That's great. What about you, George? What do those words mean to you? Uh, I see them in the context of prayer, mm. that uh, real prayer stirs holy desire mm. and, and doesn't necessarily satisfy it. So to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to me, is almost, it speaks of curiosity, mm. of, of uh, like, um, to, to live in this thing where uh, we're participating with the divine creator, um, this divine being that um, wants this world to, to be right and wants human beings to thrive and to, to know love and goodness and joy. And um, that uh, to hunger and thirst for that, you know, stirs a deeper holy desire in me. And no matter how much I give myself to that, mm. I'm just more curious, and I, I don't always find the satisfying answer, but I do get the next step or, you know, the next way to think or the next way to be that um, draws me more deeply into what it means to, to live a more righteous life. And what I'm discovering is that it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's about me, and it's about others, and uh, so and it's about God, and so we participate together in something that um, never really fully satisfies our hunger and thirst. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we don't have all the answers. Um, we don't have it all, God all figured out. We don't have this life all figured out. But yet something is pulling us into something more beautiful and good for me and for everyone. Mm. And I think it, it uh, I'm glad you say holy desire. What was the word you desire. used? Holy desire. Holy desire. I think 
now more than ever, and I, I'm sure people that are listening to this can absolutely relate. You know, there's a psychological term, learned helplessness, and it's like you you can start to you you try something and it doesn't work, or you want something to change and it doesn't change, and you before you know it, unconsciously you're starting to be like, well, I just nothing changes, and so you you lose that holy desire. So it's almost like an invitation to say, no, 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 like keep that keep that moving. And then Dr. King, when he spoke, you could feel that holy desire. It wasn't just an idea. He's like, I desire this, and I think that. You know, desiring um, it may tie into grieving. It is like p- part of the grief we talked about in the previous episode or the one before that was that um, you're grieving what's not you're seeing, right? So sometimes you're angry. That anger can point to desire. It, it can point to um, the grief can point to um, something that you really value. And you're like, that's not fair. And that's oddly enough, that's desire. So do you think there's some of that in there where it, it, it invokes a spirit of opening up to um, your heart so that your heart could be filled uh, by the Spirit of God? Do you think that's some of it? Yeah, I think so. And the the holy desire uh, can also be understood as appetite. Desire and appetite mm-hmm. are, are closely related. So when we start talking about hung, being hungry, we're talking about having an appetite. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And what's been a little discouraging to watch uh, in the season that we're in with the, uh, with the protests and the, and the racial stuff is um, the lack of an appetite among a lot of people to even listen to the people talk about the su- their, their suffering. And it, it's, it's not just that, um, it's not just that indifference. It's, it's, it's like if you're sick and somebody puts a, a big plate of, of, you know, liver and mushroom or liver and onions in front of you. Yeah. And it's like, I'm disgusted by this. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like the anti-appetite. Mm. It's like when people don't, are not interested in hearing about the suffering of other people because they've already decided that, that it's either not true or it's over-exaggerated or it's made up or they shouldn't feel that way. Their lives are a lot better than they were years and years and years ago. And it's the lack of, a, of, of appetite to even hear about the possibility that these people are suffering injustice. Mm. And that's been something that's been disappointing to me. Mm. What about you, George? What it as you look at the landscape that, that's currently going on? Um, what? How do you think some of these beatitudes can be lived out? Maybe just with your own your personal life, or or this specific beatitude? Um, and what do you think it may speak to in the culture right now? Well, you know, it's often a, a, a juggling act. To, what do you take literally in the scripture, and right. and what do you don't? And if if I take this literally, to hunger and thirst is to not hunger and thirst would be to not be alive. Mm. So I, I think you could look at it in, in a completely different way of like to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to enjoy mm. drinking of the goodness of righteousness, mm. to enjoy eating of the things that, you know, righteousness bring us and, and how it shapes the world in a particular way that yeah. makes this a human experience so much more enjoyable. Mm. And so, uh, I see it in such a way that it's about living fully in the way that God made us. So um, hungering thirst isn't like the struggle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be that, right. but maybe it's also uh, it's this desire to know the best that this maker made us to experience in, in this life. And so um, 
and, and I think we need models of that. Jesus was a model of that, um, you know, and I, I think true Christ followers can can be a model of that to the world around them in a, in a very beautiful way. But uh, I think it it's trusting more in we were made to thrive and to enjoy and to find the very best parts of what this life can give us, even amongst experiencing yeah. um, mourning and, and the difficult parts of life. So um, that's what it, um, that's what I'm striving for. Yeah. And it reminds me honestly of, um, you know, being, being in this season with you guys, it, it, there's so many ways and so many options that if you just would have said, you know, tap out, like, I just, I just don't think this is going to happen. Like, I mean, we've had so many things happen to us, but that, the, that hunger and thirst that, that I've seen in you guys that not even for yourselves, but just to say, no, 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 like there's, there's a vision here. There's something I, 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 I still feel like this is needed. And I think that that, that desire is, um, you know, there's the verse that says the, the, where there's no vision, people will perish or there's no dream. And I think that, you know, having that hunger and thirst um, and and seeing that in both of you is kind of what's brought us to this point. Whenever you listen to this episode, whether you've been to a service or you're still thinking about going to a service, um, that carried you guys through this season, right? Absolutely. If if um, It's interesting. If, if I tell you I'm not hungry, it, it most likely means that I've eaten recently. So if... If I say that if somebody says that that um, they, they don't hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're already righteous, I mean, why would I hunger for righteousness if I'm already righteous? And so you're not meek, then. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, well, <laughs> and you should but, mourn. But, but but here's the thing: nobody would nobody would I don't think anybody would be arrogant enough to just make that statement straight out. Right. Um, but there's another way you can you can uh, claim that you're not hungry. Uh, if if you talk to people who have fasted for long periods of time, I'm mm-hmm. talking, you know, 15, 20, 25 days. What they'll tell you is that that you know the first few days you're really really hungry and and you know you feel it and it's very very difficult. But you reach a point where you don't really feel hungry anymore. That you sort of it's 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 almost like your body in a sense gives up and starts mm-hmm. and stops prompting you. And so it could be that I'm 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 not hungry and thirsty for righteousness because I've eaten my fill, or it could be that I'm not hungry and thirsty for it because I've forgotten what it feels like to be hungry. I haven't had it in so long. So and so I think for people in this season, with being together at church, for example, um, it's it's very easy once you're out of an environment where you're worshiping and you're and you're seeing one another. And you're encouraging one another. It's it's very easy to forget what that's like, mm-hmm. and to forget what a beautiful benefit it is to come together and experience each other together, mm-hmm. in the context of of a church service. And that's one of the things that happened to me on Monday night when we were here. It was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it felt so life giving and so buoyant. And so, uh, even if you or listening and you go, you know what, I've, I've just been watching church online and I, I think I'm good, you know. Um, I, w- I would say that maybe you've lost the hunger because you just haven't had it mm-hmm. in, in a while. That's really and good. so the encouragement would be to come taste and see. Yeah, and I, I that was really well put because it reminds me of any relationship that you're in, you know, you kind of get into a... Uh, some kind of system, but then you you don't want to do the date. You know, try. You know, you got to do a date night. You're like, okay, I get all that kind of stuff. But then when you finally get out, 
you're like, oh my gosh, this has been so nice to finally do this. So there is, I'm really glad you said that. Cause I think that when you lack the hunger, um, sometimes it is just a, a matter of getting re-exposed to things that invigorate you and bring life into you. And so we hope that uh, View Church will be that for you and your family. So we thank you so much for listening to this. We hope you've enjoyed um, these uh, episodes on Beatitudes, and we hope to see you at View Church soon. Take care.